0: Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living. If you're here for the first time, welcome. If you're here for the second time, welcome. And if you've brought a friend, fantastic. I met a new young lady that came, want to check out the center this morning, and she was at the first service, and, and then, you know, and you never know, people come, and, and she went out the side door, and I thought, well, she's either leaving or going to the restroom. At, uh, but then, at the beginning of this service, uh, and I don't know if she's still here, to don't want to embarrass her, but she was stuffing pamphlets for us. And I thought, well, I guess that's a good sign. (laughs) So thank you so much for checking us out and being available and and showing up with such a spirit of generosity, because that's what it is. And so to circulate a little gratitude before we move into our prayer. So as our tradition has been is to uh, drop into 30 seconds of silence. I will share a chant with you in this very room if you're wondering what's happening, and then we will, uh, I will offer a prayer on behalf of this container that uh, um, we welcome and nurture in the unified field. So let's begin, let's drop into silence. And I would invite you in that silence to just activate your heart. Think about something that generates gratitude in your heart. Your spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. room. So, as we come together. I'm mindful of what called us something called us, not just today, but something called us to take birth, something called us to be here, in this form, in this planet, in this realm. What called us, I believe, and I know actually, as that divine presence, that sacred infinite intelligence, wisdom, and love that lives in the heart and soul of each and every one of us. For the infinite can only do for us what it can do through us. So I affirm and know on behalf of each person here in the I Am. If my words do not fit for you, let them wash over you. Let them, let them blow by. But I affirm and know there's one life and one power. That infinite life and power is perfect. That infinite life and power is eternal. That infinite life and power is my life. That is the truth of my being. And so I don't just think about this. I open my heart to that experience. And the most beautiful way to do that is through gratitude, to circulate gratitude. Gratitude for something in your life, somewhere, that triggers and opens your heart. So as we trigger those hearts and we open to the expansiveness of possibility and we move into coherence with that unified field, any sense of separation is dissolved here and now. So I stand in the oneness with you, that as we come together and do it together, it is powerful beyond measure. And so that I know that we're guided and directed in every good way, we are blessed with beautiful music, with the technology to amplify sound, to hear, to have ears to hear wisdom and clarity, to have eyes and teachers that have taught us how to read so that we can capture more information, which leads to our transformation. For we are here to transform consciousness. And we do that by transforming ourselves. Transform people, transform people. And so I just celebrate the transformation that is unfolding here and now. So much of it is already in place that we simply just have to welcome. And to know what is ours to know will be made clear. So I'm so grateful for our speaker this day who has traveled not just many miles to be here, but a lifetime of gathering information, of being in service to the greater yet to be in his own beautiful and unique way. We are truly blessed by the abundance of this day, the more than enough that each and every one of us has in this moment. For this I give thanks, I release these words and invite you to say with me, and so it is. And so I'm gonna move to our... uh, introduction a couple of pieces of business if you were at the Q process which is what Dr. Gary facilitated yesterday and you'd like to participate with the, the debriefs which is a, a bit of an add-on to the program and I would highly encourage it I, Laura and I are going to do it again we've already gone through the whole 21 days we're doing it again we'll do it every time it comes through I'm telling you because it's powerful and there's always more to reveal and more to 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 bring into the light of awareness but anyway, if you're interested in that debrief, and it's a, it's a very s- small fee, but it's a, uh, for those that would like to, Reverend Tammy Banting is, is facilitating that. Some people yesterday didn't have enough cash, didn't have a credit card, or we had some problems with technology. We'll have taken care of all that, see, please see Reverend Tammy, and she'll make sure you're on the list. Um, Martin Kerr's tickets are available in the back. Sue Edwards is facilitating that today. So afterwards, if you'd like a, a concert series ticket, uh, that's available. Martin is on his way, as uh, Elizabeth said, to Calgary to play a gig. And, uh, uh, and the pamphlets with, with Dale. So now, with all the business done and the praying, we're all prayed up, right? I am, anyway. Can, I can't speak for you, but I am. If I start levitating, just, you know, just close your eyes. You don't pay attention to it. Um, this, this weekend has been very, very uh, significant, I think, for our community. And um, we have invited someone into our community that we've talked about a lot about this Q process. But Dr. Gary Simmons, let me give you a little bit of his background. He's going to do our, our, uh, our lesson today. He's, sharing. he's an ordained unity minister. He, in, the, he's, in his nearly four decades of ministry, he has pioneered, pioneered three churches. He has served on the board of trustees for the Association of Unity Churches International and as vice president of integral operations at Unity Worldwide Ministries, which is in Lee Summit, Missouri. Dr. Gary is the author of Eye of the Storm, The Soul's Conspiracy, and co-creator of The Q Process and The Q Effect. He holds a fourth-degree black belt in martial arts of Taekwondo and is an experimental aircraft builder and private pilot currently working on his fourth airplane project. He serves as co-spiritual director of Unity Spiritual Center in Spokane with his amazing and beautiful wife, Reverend Dr. Jane Simmons, whose book, You Can't Stay Asleep Through Your Awakening, you can't sleep through your awakening. So, those of you that are sleeping over there, wake up for a moment here now. <laughs> it's a beautiful book, and uh, next time we have them back, I'm, I'm hopeful that they both come to be with us. He's also won the personal praise of renowned philosopher and, and integral theorist Ken Wilber. And many of us know Ken Wilber's work, and for his work in formulating an integral model of m- uh, ministry centered upon mission centric imperatives. Uh, What he's going to speak to us today about is uh, the shadow effect. And so, let's give a warm Edmonton welcome to Reverend Dr. Gary Simmons.
1: So, I don't know if you know it or not, but the world is changing. Right? You know that, right? The question I have is, are are you on the transition team? yet. Because the world needs some support to kind of evolve in the right direction, right? And I think that's an important thing to acknowledge that we can make a difference. And um, and so as we, as we think about what's going on in the world and we think about what we're up to as a spiritual community and the difference that we can make, we need to kind of recognize that being on the transition team means that we have to be capable of hospicing what needs to be released and midwifing what needs to be brought forth doesn't that make sense? and the challenge is is though that we can't necessarily be effective in doing that in the outer world until we're able to do that within ourselves to hospice that at those aspects of ourselves that have outlived their usefulness or perhaps are really running us without our permission? You know, those limiting beliefs? Are, are, are you aware that sometimes something runs you without your permission? That sometimes you be somebody that you're not, that's not the truth of you? And when that happens, something gets created that looks and feels as if it's not exactly what you wanted to create? So, um, so we're going to explore the ways in which we need to kind of release those aspects of our own um, stuck places, our own limitation, our own limiting beliefs, and bring forth a greater awareness of that dimension of ourself that is infinite and eternal, and here to be a part of what co-creates a new world, because that's why we're sent, to be the one unto our life. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you are dealing with a difficult life situation right now? Raise your hand. And how many of you know of someone who's dealing with a difficult life situation? Okay, that's about everybody. Thank you for that, for participating. So, let me ask you this question Where is the difficulty really in a difficult life situation? Point to it. Now, now don't point to your spouse. Okay, so you're, you're pointing to yourself, and so let me just check in here, because what you're saying is the difficulty in a difficult life situation is not in the situation, but it is in how we are being with it. That's what you're saying, right? I'm hearing you, right? But you need to know that, that that's a very unique perspective. Most of the world doesn't believe that. Most of the world believe that the difficulty in life is in our life experience, most people believe, believe that their well-being and discomfort live in their life experience. Our life has to be a certain way in order for us to feel okay and safe. I mean, have you ever felt like your life needed to be a certain way in order for you to feel okay or safe? And when, when, that's, the, when that's the dynamic of having to have things be a certain way in the outer in order for us to feel okay about ourselves we we have mortgaged our well-being on whether or not our life looks and feels okay. But the fact that our life doesn't look okay is not because it's against us. It's exposing that part of ourself that is living in the disconnect. And unless we understand that, when our life looks and feels as if it's against us, it's a mirroring that place in us that is still, you know... Within that awareness that, you know, I'm not enough, I'm not okay, there's something wrong with me. Are you aware that there are places within you that might be compromising your well being, such as a belief that you're not okay or good enough? And when our life looks and feels against us, it is a mechanism that helps expose those places in us because our resistance to what we're having arises from a deeper place within ourselves that doesn't feel okay necessarily about oneself and therefore whatever we're having that gives us a sense of discomfort or makes us feel yucky we automatically go in a default way to separating ourselves from whatever experience we're having and whenever we separate ourselves from whatever we're having we we remove ourselves from the very portal that gives us access to that place within ourselves that is living in the disconnect And when we have to have our life be a certain way, which is sometimes called controlling, we collapse the field of infinite possibilities. And and can can we not agree that if we have to have something be a certain way in in order for us to feel okay, God basically says, I can't work with you. Because God requires the whole field of infinite possibilities to bring forth a greater good. And if we're shutting down... Everything, but this one thing has to happen this way, we, we're, we're sort of uh, against ourselves in that, in, that, in that kind of way of being. And so we have to remember when our life looks and feels against us, the felt sense of discomfort is really arising from within us and it represents an incongruence between who we really are in the heart of hearts and who we've become because we've been conditioned to believe That we're not okay, that we're not worthy, that we're not good enough, or we're not capable. But we acquired those limiting beliefs. We weren't born with them. Many years ago, I had a near-death experience. I ate something I was allergic to, and I went into anaphylactic shock. And as you may know, that condition causes the windpipe to swell shut, and if you don't receive any medical intervention, you can suffocate to death. So here I was in this experience, unable to get any help, suffocating to death and my previous wife, Nan, she had passed away three weeks earlier of a brain tumor. And so I was in the throes of my own bereavement so I was welcoming moving on. And in that moment of uh, reconciling uh, how I was going to be in this moment of joining her, I heard a voice and that voice said, Gary, you're the one to bring peace on earth. What do you do with a voice like that, you know, oxygen deprivation. And I thought it was so interesting because here I was pushing away a dimension of myself because the voice, that is the voice of our higher self, you know, is the one that speaks to us and, and, the, and, and the message is something that is contrary to our smallness, our limits, our doubts, our insecurities. The message from our higher self is going to cause us to have to awaken And I love the song that we sang earlier before, um, before this moment, all about gratitude. And if we we can't, if we aren't present to what we're having, out of a a welcoming experience, grateful, regardless of how it looks or feels, our higher self can't work through us. Because to push something away means that we push away the very mechanism that spirit brings into our life. Bless you. That causes us to um, have to be in that effort to reconcile the truth that there's just God from the reality that I'm living in a kind of icky place. But the discomfort that I'm feeling is not from my experience. It is arising from my own disconnect. And that discomfort is a signal, is Spirit's way of telling us You're not present to what's happening from that part of you that is God made and here to be the one unto your own life. And so we have to, when our life looks and feels against us, it's up to us to disentangle from the limiting beliefs that have created that felt sense that something's off and that we have to recover and re-establish in relationship to what we're having because it is a portal to our greater good, regardless of how it looks or feels. So, let me ask you this question. When you got up this morning, how many of you looked into the mirror? Raise your hand. Okay, most, most of you. And what did you do? You tried to fix it, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, not the mirror, of course. I mean, you didn't put makeup on the mirror. And why would you fix you anyway? Well, you probably were uncomfortable with what got reflected back when you looked into the mirror. Oh, I need to, need to do something with this. <laughs> but you see, when, when we're experiencing discomfort in relationship to the mirror, have you ever heard the expression "life is a mirror"? <laughs> you know, life is consciousness, and what our experience is basically mirroring the quality of our attention and awareness in the context of the, our spiritual essence. But if, if that's not our perspective, if that's, if that's not our viewing point, if we're coming from our smallness or a place within ourself that's living in a disconnect, we're automatically going to collapse this field of infinite possibilities into that one thing that looks and feels against us. And if we cannot see that that it is our sense of inadequacy or not enough that makes what we have insufficient. It's not what we're having that's insufficient, it's how we be with it that makes it less than. If we don't get that, then we don't do the deeper work of transforming our own BS, belief system. Oh, you you thought I meant something else. Well, you can think that too, I guess. And so if we understand that if I'm feeling any kind of discomfort, that's my being, that's my higher self's way of conveying to me that I am not living in congruence with the truth of who and what I've come here to be. And that should signal that it's my work, rather than to engage what's happening and push it away or separate from it, but my work is to welcome it regardless of how it looks or feels. Not to necessarily enjoy the experience, but to be present to it because it is a gift. It is a portal to that little boy or little girl that is still living in the belief that they're not enough. And we have to be able to make our way to that place, that dimension within ourselves that is in that belief and operating when we're, un- when we're unconscious. Studies have shown that 90% of our behavior is unconscious. And, and that 70% of the time, you and I are living by the hormones of stress. And so when, when that becomes our normal, it becomes very easy for us to be hypersensitive to how our life looks and feels to the detriment to the exclusion of having any inner dimensional awareness of what is running our self-system what is running us you know, and so it 's up to us to kind of address that because no amount of prayer is going to get God to change the way the mirror works because god doesn 't have any problem with how your life looks and feels because God knows your life looks and feels the way it does because it 's a signal that there 's something that needs to be midwife, something that needs to be hospiced, and we need to know what that deeper work is and so it 's so important to be in a transformational path and process so that we can engage um, and, and be comfortable with that intent because it's not easy. It's not easy to do this deeper work. But if we're not the ones that do this deeper work what hope is there for the world? Because most of the world's not gonna wake up in the morning and say, ah, oh, I think I'll work on my unworthiness today. I'm gonna go out and find someone who will verbally abuse me and then when I'm feeling diminished and discounted, I'm just gonna separate myself from this limiting belief that I'm not enough. And I'm gonna thank this person for exposing that place within me. I mean, who does that? (laughs) But you see, that's the work. To be able to be in the experience and recognize that whatever discomfort I'm feeling, I'm in the shadow effect. I'm in the effect, the illusion that the reality, the goodness, the, um, the gift of life is external to me. And so if I'm hypersensitive to how, our life looks, how my life looks and feels, I'm not gonna understand that I have the capacity to choose to be with whatever I'm having independent of my conditioned mind. But in order for me to do that, I have to access a higher resource. I can't use my current mind to do that deeper work I have to call on a higher dimension of myself and and we can call that higher dimension our, of ourselves our our higher self spirit God our heart however we define it what we always want to remember is we can't place any resource external to ourself we have to own it we have to know that that dimension of ourself that is infinite and eternal is a real thing is a very real thing. Now, in Scripture, there are many ways in which we can use Scripture to help us understand this transformational journey, and especially in the terms of the deeper work of really exercising those parts of ourself that don't serve us, those limiting beliefs, and opening ourselves to deepening in a conscious, intentional relationship with that dimension of our being that is the truth of who we are, in, in, in order to access that, then we can look to Scripture, and there is a Scripture that I wanted to share. It's from uh, attributed to Jesus. You'll find the Scripture in the Gospel of Saint Matthew, chapter five, verses forty-two and forty-three, and I'll be sharing from the King James Version, the version that Jesus used. So. No, you did better than the first service. That's good. <laughs> so, you know, Jesus didn't use the King James Version. You knew that, right? Okay, all right. So he talks about, in this scripture, he talks about uh, the enemy. And the enemy is Jesus' technical term to describe a dynamic that we find ourselves in. And that dynamic is having someone or something against us. So I'm, I'm saying this a certain way. I want you to hear it. We have our life against us. Our life is never against us. It's only exposing who we are not. And if we feel any discomfort, it's that's the discomfort. That's where the discomfort is arising from. It's arising from the incongruence that we're being with what we're having out of a dimension of ourself that's not the truth of us. We're being with it with our unworthiness, our inadequacy, our less thanness, our not-enoughness, instead of being with it knowing that we are sent by God unto it to be the one, which means that no matter what we have, we can use because everything that we have is our abundance. And if we push away this very thing that we're having because it doesn't feel good or it doesn't fit within our, our sense that this is for me, then we push away that dimension of ourselves that is connected to the abundant support of the universe. What if our abundance comes to us through the very things that we are wanting to push away? Because it comes in the form of something that requires of us to die. A part of us needs to die. And that's not necessarily a fun thing. To let go of a part of our identity that no longer serves us. You know, Nan, uh, excuse me, when I mentioned my previous wife, her name was Nan. And when my first book was published, The Eye of the Storm, the principle of the book is... Nothing and no one is against you. So it was published in 2001, and she read the book, and she had already been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And she threw the book at me, and she said, you know, this is a bunch of crap. How can you say that nothing and no one is against me when my body is dying? And you know, that's, that's the struggle. That's the struggle. We have to reconcile the truth that... Um, that nothing and no one is against us, independent of whatever the felt sense of what we're having. And she was able to get to a place in her unfolding process where she could be in the experience of having a dying body but not be diminished by it. And because she was able to also be grateful for the experience, she became luminous in her final moments. And I was there to witness that. And I cannot tell you how I cannot even express the words that to convey the, uh, the dimension of, of presence that filled the room in her passing because she were, was able to really be in this experience of allowing her physical body to be released but still live in the fullness of and in the abundance of her experience of all the people who loved and cared for her. And and her devotion to that intent transformed all who are a part of and shared in her caregiving. And it was a vivid reminder for me that that we can, any of us in our lifetime, is going to have to reconcile whether or not uh, you know, you know, who am I really? Am I my body? Am I my stuff? Am I my story? Am I my things? Am I my thoughts? Am I my beliefs? We're none of those things. We have all of those things, but if we believe that those things are us, then those things have us, instead of we having them to use. So Jesus gives us this teaching and the enemy is this dynamic of having our life against us. And so you can think about an enemy as either your body, an illness, a disability, self-image. You can think of an enemy as a life situation, uh, something happening in, in your life, a loss of a job or a career, an interpersonal difficulty, however you want to think about uh, this, this dynamic of having your life against you, listen to this teaching and see how it applies. And notice that the teaching is not intended for a part of you that tends to filter out the voice of spirit. There's a part of us that filters out the voice of spirit. And it's, it's just part of, our, um, part of our brain's function to keep us safe. To pay attention to how our life looks and feels is the function of the amygdala in our brain. And its, it's purpose is to keep us safe. But the problem is, is that it would rather be wrong 99% of the time than miss the one time it failed to protect us. So consequently, we're hypersensitive to our life and looks and feels because that's what, um, that's what our conditioned self does when we're operating unconsciously. That's what runs us. But when we awaken to the truth that we have to be conscious in order to do this deeper work of transformation, of hospicing what needs to be released and midwifing what needs to be born, then we need tools, we need practices, we need support. And so here's the teaching. Are you ready? Love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. What's up with that? Pray for those, excuse me, do good to those that hate you. And pray for those that spitefully use you, so you may be called children of your Father which is in heaven. So if we look at, at these teachings, and uh, it's obvious that there is some resistance. Love, our enemies, what's up with that? You know, our head, does, our head can't get there because that's not the purpose of our intellect. That's not the purpose of, of, of using our mind that way. Now we have to lead with the heart, we have to open to the heart because the, the, that's, that's the dimension of us that actually does the loving. And, and, and so it's important to know that this teaching is uh, for our heart, for a dimension of ourself that's not tied to the evidence that we've gathered over our lifetime. Our heart doesn't empower that. Our head does because our head needs to keep us safe. And that's all that's going on. We're trying to self protect. But our self protection is over functioning, and we, to the detriment of being able to open ourselves to spirit. And we have to reverse that trend. So Jesus says, Love the enemy, which means to be present to what we're having because it's a portal to that little boy or little girl in us that needs us. He says, bless those that curse you because blessing is the highest demonstration of our faculty of faith. To say that which man meant for evil, God meant for good, means to endow whatever I'm having with the capacity to bring me forth into a greater expression of who and what I've come here to be. And you should try that. It works. You know, I I was diagnosed with uh, terminal uh, metastatic melanoma. I had 30 internal tumors. And, uh, and not much support from the medical profession. And so I in that moment, I welcomed the experience because I knew that that, that diagnosis, that condition, was going to be transformative in my life. I watched my wife go through that experience, my previous wife. If Jane was here, she'd be, I'm your current wife. She has, she has when, when you meet her, you'll love her. She has this wonderful way. And, uh, and, and, and I can hear her words right now. Gary say this to them. And here's the words that I'm hearing right now. Pain not transformed is pain transmitted. If you want to hear more of that, that's, that's, that's what she's all about. So hopefully we'll get her to her too. But anyway, so as we look at this dynamic, if we can't sort of proclaim that this is for me, nobody else is because everybody will agree that it sucks to be you if you tell them about what you're having. No one's going to fault you from being a victim. And we're masters at being able to enroll people to support our limitations, our disconnect. But that doesn't serve us. So we have to stop doing that and begin to do something else. Then Jesus says, do good to those that hate you. Now we want, to be, we, want to, we want to do the right thing in that context, not be right, because that keeps us in the disconnect, because needing to be right is connected to a sense of not enough or not feeling okay about oneself. Reacting to judgment is not about someone judging you so much as it's about you being connected now to your own sense of inadequacy. So we have to re- uh, arrange the way in which we engage our outer world not as something that we have to push away but something that we we have to welcome in because it's a mirror to our field and where we're believing where we're empowering and if we're empowering the effect instead of the cause the source that is within us the dimension of our self that is spirit then we're not using the resources that God has given to us then Jesus says Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you so you may be called children of your Father which is in heaven. Of course, Jesus was suggesting that we pray the prayer that he prayed when he found himself in an experience of being a victim. And what was his words? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so what we need to understand is that the ills of our life, that I can only be diminished by my experience in life when I am not connected to my well-being and worth. That's the truth. And my offender can only hurt me when he or she is not connected to their well-being and worth. And so the ills of the world, the craziness of this world, there's not a force or a power that's against anybody it's the unintended consequences of the disconnect and if we don't have that characterization of what's happening we'll get swallowed up and modulated by the incoherence of the external world and we have to correct that and so regardless of what's happening in your life if you can just see that pile in your backyard that there's a pony inside of that you'll be okay God bless you all